Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Cindy Hoover, Fiscal Year 20 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now as part of our Women Executives and Engineering Series is Sarah Joseph. Sarah is a 32-year-old computer science researcher at the National Security Agency. Sarah earned a bachelor's degree in computer science and a master's degree in human-computer interaction, both from Shippensburg University. Thank you for joining us today, Sarah. Thanks, Cindy. I appreciate being here. So, Sarah, you say that work stands at the intersection of explainable artificial intelligence and adversarial machine learning. Let's start with explainable AI. What is that exactly? So explainable AI is kind of this um, exploration into the complexity of how these models are, are designed, because we, we do that as humans, we build them. Um, but when it comes to the decisions that they make, we don't necessarily know how the model, um, in, in, in its explanation of you know, the answer that it comes to. So explainable AI really works to unpack that mystery for a human to understand. Um, of, for example, if I have a complex model that I've asked to um, classify a, a cat, you know, a picture of a cat, um, explainable model decide that there's a cat in this picture as opposed to a cloud or a bicycle. And so while the machine might tell me correctly, hey, there's a cat in the texture of the, the cat or, or its fur, it might not be looking for the presence of eyes or ears um, it might be looking at some other minute detail that, they, oh, that's why it's a cat. So we can unpack, we can help the machine explain, you know, I'm looking at the shape of its paw, or I'm looking at the fact that it's rest, or the fact that it's sitting on a sofa to say that this is a cat. So therefore, if anything is sitting on a sofa, I'm going to classify it as a cat. So from a human perspective, we're trying to unpin vulnerabilities so that I can help retrain or help re the, the model learn correctly why this is a cat. It's a cat because it has pointy ears. It's a cat because it has eyes and fur, or, or maybe not fur, but depending on the breed of cat, but um, <laughs> you know, depending on what that looks like. So um, it's really just giving the, the, the machine this to explain itself in a way that is humanly understandable. That is really interesting. How does that compare then to adversarial machine learning? That's a really good question. So adversarial machine learning works to exploit the fragility of these complex models. So um, if I know you're going to classify a cat anytime it sees a pair of eyes, well, then I can put those pair of eyes, I could superimpose those on a bicycle 
or on a cloud. And I know that there's a cat in this image, even though as a human, I know that that looks really strange for that, you know, stop sign to have a pair of eyes, you know, what's going on here. Um, the machine has no idea that that's weird. And how the, you know, pivoting this, how um, exploiting models and fooling them um, can be can have detrimental uh, results when when we consider things like self into thinking a stop sign is actually a 45 miles per hour speed limit sign. Um, so those kinds of things. So adversarial machine learning, you know, really is a, is a, an offensive and a defensive uh, for for figuring these kinds of things out. That's amazing. I I uh, I can't imagine, but. I assume you didn't dream of doing this kind of work as a kid, or or maybe you did. Can you tell us a little bit kind of uh, about what your thoughts were as, as a child, and, and did you think about going into this field? No, I actually had, I never would have pictured myself as doing this, which is really kind of funny. Um, when I was growing up, you know, I was homeschooled, uh, which was a great experience, um, and to go into cooking, you know, to be a chef, because I really enjoyed my job. I was working um, at Hershey Park in uh, Hershey in central Pennsylvania, where they make the chocolate. It was a great experience, um, <laughs> but I, I, I uh, started becoming more and more interested in doing um, computer programming type things in high school. And it into me and really encouraged me to pursue that, you know, just, just for fun, just check it out. And so... Um, when I enrolled in, in Shippensburg's uh, advisor there that just totally invested in me and encouraged me and supported me. And, and because of that, I've really, you know, I really kind of took off on this direction. What can you do? What fun things can we build? What kind of research can, can I get involved in? Um, and really, I've used, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences away, even the ones that because they, they, they've grown me into, you know, the way that I look at and, and at things now and the way I solve problems, um, really that's, that's the skill set. you know, learning how to, to solve problems, people on a team and, and stuff like that. So um, I never imagined I'd get to do what I do today, um, but it's, it's, it's a real privilege. So, so what do you feel like was kind of that one first thing that led you into computer science? Oh gosh, um, probably my my basic programming class in high school, high school uh, the homeschooling co-op that I was a part of, the teacher really um, kind of inspired me to reach a little bit further and to really kind of, you know, learn about the guts of the computer, you know, really impact a, a, a computer through the, the, the very, you know, <laughs> very simple code that I was writing at that time. And it really sparked my interest. Um, but I probably, probably really fully understand like the depth of what you can do. And, and I was really kind of riding this wave right on the, on the curve of um, as artificial intelligence getting more traction and um, kind of getting to do lots of new things, especially from the human side with the human computer interaction and um, experimenting with, you know, in, in bioinformatics and questions of how computer science can be involved in everything. I mean, STEM really is everywhere. And it's just really cool to, to, to kind of be a part of that. It absolutely is. And so when you joined NSA out of college, um, you entered NSA's computer science development program. What, what was that like? coming right out of college and entering their, their computer science program? It was a, a three-year rotational program, um, and it really it was a neat opportunity to get a holistic view uh, of the agency. Sort of I got to play, not play, but I got to be in, uh, carry different roles as I moved around um, from research to project engineering to being on a development team and writing code and, and things like that. 
and, and solving problems and seeing, you know, some of the headaches of the day and helping to, to work through those and having an impact. That was probably the biggest thing able to have this lasting impact and making a difference in, in what I do. That's fantastic. Um, so NSA is a secretive ag- agency by necessity. So, so what really surprised you most when you first joined the agency? I think my biggest surprise was that um, I, I, there's there's partners that we have through academia, um, with with industry, as well as with other federal research offices um, that I've got. I just imagine that we kind of you know you'd go through the doors and then you'd be kind of locked inside and you'd hold away in the ground somewhere, which is there is there are parts of that sure, but the government agencies. I have made friends. Um, I have some really good friends in Australia that I, that I keep in touch with, and um, that's that's been incredible to me. I never would have met these people. I, my ring influence um, and to be influenced by people, you know, in New Zealand or Canada or England, you know, just all around the world. Um, and really, I think that there's a unique aspect to global context and getting to help each other solve problems and keep each other safe. Um, it's really, really, really kind of a neat um, kind of paradigm shift in my thinking. So that's really interesting. And I, I know as as a young woman, um, I certainly had challenges in the engineering field. What's your experience been as a young woman in a male dominated field? Yeah, I, I, it's it's I think I think for me, having to prove myself um, instantly uh, where um, some of my male friends, you know, come in and they were taken as professionals right away. And, and whereas I would have to kind of work to prove, you know, that, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, but such a good job of um, supporting mentors and fostering an environment um, where we can build each other up and where I can learn from the experiences of right now, who she's absolutely incredible. We, she's been working with me for over a year and she's helped me navigate some very difficult situations you know, that, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to or, or know that they're happening, but I've learned so much through that process and having somebody walk through that with me has just been incredible. And the agency does an amazing job, like sweet, that bring people together to, you know, learn from each other and support and encourage each other um, in this growing field is it's priceless that like you can't replace it with anything. You can't manufacture it in yourself. Um, it's always helpful to have that uh, that community or that environment. A- absolutely. It's so important to have sponsors and mentors throughout your career. Um, what, what advice would you give to a young woman who hopes to work in the sciences or in the STEM fields? Oh, definitely don't be afraid to explore something new, especially if you don't necessarily think that it fits inside your original trajectory. Always, you know, move around, find something that you really love. Um, I, I think my base, my favorite mantra is really this idea of don't sacrifice new opportunities for the comfort of the familiar. Don't try something new, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it doesn't look like it fits in your original vision for yourself, because you never know what you might find. Sarah, that's really great advice. And, and I know our listeners have been inspired by you today and everything that you've shared with them. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. This has been a joy. So Sarah Joseph is a computer science researcher at the National Security Agency. And I'm Cindy Hoover. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our WE19 conference site at we19.swe.org. Information on housing, registration, keynote speakers, and more is now available. See you there!